0: Hey, uh, it is so, so good to see everyone here. This, uh, this is just, it's, it's the Sunday that we sort of set everything around. Last week we talked about this passage around Palm Sunday, and at the end of the passage was this verse with a question. The crowd saw Jesus come in, and uh, they have this question It's going to be on the screen here, and it's basically, who is this? Who is this Jesus? And when we think of Easter, this is basically in the church world. This is like Super Bowl Sunday to us. We uh, put a lot of energy into this week. Because the question, who is this, about the risen Jesus is one of the most important questions that any of us can ask. Um, Some of you might have seen the last week or two, there was a, a video post on Facebook about an interview with Bono, the lead singer for U2. And uh, there's a little clip, it's a long interview, but there's a little clip where Bono is, is asked about this question. Who is Jesus? Check it out.
1: I look to the Scriptures for poetic truth um, as well as the sort of historical stuff I'm, I'm, I'm in, interested in. And of course there was a histo- historical Jesus. You no, know, I'm talking about God. Oh, right. And, and do well, you, I see and, I, the, the person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray and in a right way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, the will of God because then the prayers have more chance of coming true. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. There's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. and all our, We've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just... We, we read the scriptures, we pray, it's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go and the church has ended and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. And for peace and quiet and we'll pray, usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, so or so whatever. So then what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian is who was Christ and, and I don't think you're let off Easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher, or a, you know, because actually he went around saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. nuts. Yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2000 years have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes. Yeah, I'm into, uh, I mean, I have no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do.
0: Isn't that great? I was going to wear the exact same outfit, but Stacy laid a suit out for me, so I had to suit up this morning. (laughs) So what if you were interviewed, and you had to deal with the question of not only who is this, but who is the risen Jesus? And you had to be honest with your journey around it. As I thought about this, for me, and this, I think for anybody in this room, wherever you are, this is a defining question. Because when we look inside of us and we look at the world, we see a lot of pain, a lot of death, a lot of darkness, right? It's everywhere we see, and it's right inside of us as well. But, When I wrestle in the deepest part of who I am with this question, at the core of my existence is this belief that there is a risen Jesus and just maybe hope is there and perhaps life can enter into me and to those around me and to the world I see around me. You see, our faith hinges on this question of who is the risen Jesus. It hinges for you on that question. There's the Son of God, or as Bono said, and I won't do an Irish accent, he's a nutter. Right? That's how radical this is. Either it's actually true and, and something is meant in this, or it's just crazy time. That's how radical this question is. Before we jump in the text, let me pray. Jesus, would you please, would you please speak words of life this morning? That we would see your son, Jesus Christ, for all that he is and all that he wants to be with us. the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. amen. Matthew 28, if you haven't been around Crossview, generally we take a passage and we read down through it, and we try and understand what it meant in that time so that we can live it out faithfully. So we're going to read down Matthew 28 again, starting in verse 1. It says, after the Sabbath. As dawn in the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. We have to stop here for a moment because women showing up and being witnesses is highly significant. See, in the first century, the witness of a woman would carry no weight in court. And the gospel writer using women doesn't make sense, but when we think about the life and hope of the resurrected Jesus, it starts to make sense. That everybody perhaps could be welcome. And not only welcome, but play a part in this story. Verse 2. There's a violent... Try and put yourself in this moment. If you think about it, those who follow Jesus are in despair, despondent. Everything's over. The king has died. Those who are trying to kill Jesus probably having a party. Like we finally got rid of them. And here's what happens in verse 2. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. Isn't that interesting? His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. We're going to see how the Marys respond to this as well. But this this is as defining a moment as a defining moment can, can be. Think about the defining moments in your life. Um, The first kiss, Uh, the time she said yes, the time your first mortgage was signed 823 times and it finally closed, the time when you lost the one you love the most. Think about that birth of your first child or any child. We have a lot of kids in here. All of them are special, guys. (laughs) Think about those defining moments, right? And it's intriguing to me that the defining moments that leave the most lasting impact on us are the ones around life and death. And for every character in the story in Matthew 28, it's the very same thing. They are encountering the pinnacle of history. That the one who came, claimed to be God actually rose from the dead. That he is fulfilling everything he said he would be. This is the defining moment. Easter, the resurrection for Mary's, for the guards, for everybody. This is the most important moment that we encounter. And the beauty of it, without this moment, without the resurrected Jesus, none of the other moments matter. It breathes life and hope into every other moment that we encounter for us and for the people in this story. Verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. I know you love this invitation. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go and quickly and tell the disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. They will see him now, I have told you. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb. Listen to this. Afraid yet filled with joy. Afraid yet filled with joy. And ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met him, Greetings. Met them. Greetings, Jesus said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Why does the resurrection matter? It's intriguing if you take the resurrection for what it is in the Gospels in the first century. It was very much about the present age. When they heard about the resurrection in the centuries that followed, it would have been very much about the fact the one who claimed to be the king and the Messiah and the Lord had risen again and actually would be the Lord of all. It was very much in this moment that God was ushering in this new creation. And the disciples would have thought about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven has actually come to earth. The resurrection has happened and life has begun in the here and now. We also believe it has a future reality to it as well. We believe there is one day where God will come back and make all things right. We call that the ultimate resurrection, but we believe that the living God, the one who rose again, it actually has implications for each one of us in the moments we live. And I think the resurrection story at its core is an invitation. I think it's an invitation to each one of us to trust and follow Jesus, Matthew 28 is a, is a pretty cool story because if you take it and you just look at the different characters in the story, you see that the resurrection is not just some ethereal thing that we think about, some, something maybe we read in theology books. It was the living God encountering the different people in this story and inviting them to join him in this new life. And I think it does the same thing. For us this morning, because in a room like this, we have all different types of people. It's intriguing. One of the groups in the story, if you look at Matthew 28, I, I call them cynics. They're the chief priests. They're the guards. They are the ones who were trying to kill Jesus. They didn't believe him. And we, we have some in this room like that, where you've come in here and it's like, oh, the whole God thing, I have my list of arguments why it doesn't, eh, I don't get it. And I think the beauty of this story is that the risen God comes to you just as he does to everybody else no matter how far you run what arguments you come up with how you play this out I believe that the risen Jesus actually loved the world and I think the invitation of the resurrection for you is to bring all of that in to bring your anger and your arguments and whatever thing that you have against it, which I've got to say, it's just fine. Bring it to Jesus. Jesus is just fine interacting with all of that. If you see the Gospels and you look at the story of God, everyone, the Apostle Paul, would have been the king of this type of person, right? He's not the Messiah. It doesn't exist. Here's why. In fact, I'm going to kill the people that are against him, and yet... Jesus comes to him, as well. There's another group in the story that I think, um, and I hope, resonates with a lot of us, and that's the least, the lost, and the left behind. That's the Marys. You see, in the first century, um, women were sort of put into a lesser role. I mean, the fact that their witness wouldn't carry any any evidence, any weight in court is intriguing. But in the Gospels, this is who Jesus hung out with, right? These are the ones on the fringe that felt like they didn't have a part, that they didn't play a role. They weren't the important ones. They weren't the respected ones. And these these are the very people that Jesus spends time with again and again and again. He heals them. He eats with them. And the point of it is to say, and especially now when we think of the resurrection, the point is to say, I come to you as well. You are no longer on the fringes. And the response of the Mary is, I think many of you have felt, maybe you need to feel today, this afraid yet filled with joy that if I come to God, will he really, you don't know how far on the fringe I am. And I think the risen Jesus comes to you. That this story The very first people that go to the tomb are these two women. The first witnesses to the risen Jesus. Then there's another group. There's probably a lot of us in this room. Especially if you've been around the church a lot. It's the fickle ones. I couldn't think of a better word. It's the only word that came to me. These are the brothers, the disciples. Um, If you look at the story, it's, it's intriguing that the women... The one who actually went to the tomb. They probably went to the tomb to take care of the body, but they went to the tomb still, right? The disciples are cowering in fear in some upper room. And the women are told to go and tell them go and tell them to meet me in Galilee. I will come so they can see me. But you look at the story of the disciples, you look at the story of these brothers of Jesus, and it is the ultimate roller coaster of faith, right? I get it. I don't get it. He's the Messiah. He's not the Messiah. I reject. I deny. I mean, it is like so many of us. We get it. We forget it. Sometimes we even reject and deny it. And then the next moment we turn around and we love him. And there's nothing better I'm of the opinion that Jesus knew exactly what the disciples were up to. That they were cowering in fear, afraid of what was going on. And I am of the opinion that Jesus, so full of grace and love, sees them in fear, wondering what is going on, and says, I want them to see me, to see the risen Jesus here's the last group I see in Matthew 28. And I hope, I think this is, is probably many. Um, you know, you do the journey of checking out church here and there, and I think a lot of us in this room, were doubters. At the end of Matthew 28, after Jesus is risen, and you have this whole interaction, it says this in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him but some doubted. We don't talk about this passage very often in the church. These are some of the actual disciples spent time with Jesus, saw him die, have now seen the risen Jesus, and they are still doubting. And what's intriguing about the story, these ones who are doubting are actually invited now to be a part of the Great Commission. Just in the very next verses following this, they're invited to go and make disciples. And I think the beauty of of the story of God. The beauty of what we see in the risen Jesus is this. It says, bring it all. Bring your doubt, bring your questions. Bring it in. I think any church environment where that is not safe to bring it in, it's not the church. Bring whatever you have to the risen Jesus. Bring your questions, bring your pain, bring whatever it is because Jesus wants to meet you in the midst of that and say whatever the darkness is, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's doubt or pain or denial or feeling like you're not accepted, whatever, whatever that darkness is, Jesus wants to bring life into it. So last fall I had a wedding in southern Illinois. Um... And it was a really cool wedding. It was a young guy that that I had seen uh, come to Christ and sort of mentored for a number of years. And it was um, basically about 200 uh, people in their 20s who were part of the recovery community. And it was an amazing celebration on a farm in the middle of nowhere in southern Illinois. It might have been Kentucky. I don't know. It seemed very similar to me. Um, But there was this cool interaction I had with a young man who I didn't know. We, uh, we were at breakfast one morning, and this guy who was there for the wedding as well told me about growing up in the church. Grew up in Chicago, grew up in the church, classic sort of. When he got done of high school and didn't have to go anymore, he left. In the midst of that journey, he had to go into recovery, and now has been sober for a long time. has a wife who's Hindu and a little kid, and he said, now the only time every year I go to church is Easter. Go to church once a year. And it's... it's one of the worst hours probably of my year, each year. But he said, that changed this last year. He went back to Chicago. He and his wife and their kid went to the church that he grew up in, and he said they had a new pastor. And this guy started to talk about the Easter story a little different. And he looked at the different characters like we did in in the story this morning, and he said, it doesn't matter what you bring. Bring your anger, bring your hate, bring your pain, bring whatever it is. Be a skeptic, be a sinner, be a saint. The risen Jesus wants to meet you in that place. And this young man, it was really cool. He said, it was the first time in over a decade that I felt hopeful about God and the church. And what we want to say to each one of you this morning is that the risen Jesus comes to you Whatever you have, whatever it is that gets in the way, he comes to you and says, just give it to me. John 10, the gospel puts it this way. Therefore Jesus said, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture, and here it is. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, who is this man to you? Who is the risen Jesus? Either he's the Son of God and that changes everything. The Son of God wants to change you, or he's a nut. I mean, it's really, it's the options. I believe in the core of who I am, that the resurrection story, that we can believe and put our hope in this. That We can have confidence that the resurrection was true then, that it's true now, that it'll be true in the future, but we see it all around us. We see people who were dead in their sin, repenting and coming to Jesus and receiving new life. We see marriages that were, were dead receive a breath of fresh air because they have put their hope on the resurrected Jesus. Again and again and again, the power of the resurrection changes everything and not just for eternity all that's true but in the here and now god wants to do something in every life in this room and in that way easter is and should be true every day that jesus is risen from the dead and he's risen in us as we surrender to him daily john 11:25 says jesus said to her i am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me will live even though he dies. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray, God. I pray for each person in this room as they encounter, as they encounter the story that, that is almost unbelievable. It's almost unbelievable. Because when we encounter, either it's just craziness that is beyond imagination, or it's true, and there's a living God who wants to love each of us. And so God, for each in this room, it's, I pray that they would see the invitation of this story to come and trust and receive the life that only you offer in the story of the resurrection.